Good morning. Let's hear what God has to say to us from Philippians 2 today. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor men like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Thank you, Cynthia. Good morning. When I uh, spend time with families at a memorial service for a loved one who has passed, I really grieve with a family who's lost someone so close to them. And you take time and, and uh, you, you look at uh, photos and video. And then usually during, during the service, there's a time where, where people share about the loved one who's passed away. And I love to hear the stories and I love to hear what they were all about and how people viewed them. But I don't know if you're like me, but I find in the middle of that sharing time, I'll often drift off just a little bit. And I'll think, what will people say about me? What is my character? How will people view me and reflect upon my life? And I start to wonder that during that time. My wife threw a 50th birthday party for me a little while ago. And we had a bunch of friends. And she set up during part of that time a time to share just about Rod. And it was, it was pretty humbling. I've been part of this community, actually part of this church for 27 years, and I've been serving here for 25, and I've had a lot of, a lot of history, and I've walked with a lot of people. And so it was really sweet when uh, people who started with me 20, 25 years ago shared what their experience was with me and, and how I influenced their life and how I encouraged them in the Lord. And it was so good to hear that. I wanted to hear that. I hope my life had been meaningful and had some worth uh, and influence. 
And then my good friends got up and they set the record straight. And they roasted me and uh, reminded me of my shortcomings, which I have a lot of. But it, it does make you step back and go, boy, what is my character? And it, you start to evaluate yourself. And you go, Lord, I want to be a man of God. I want to follow you. I want to be one who lives out the character of you. What is my Christian character? How am I known? Does my life reflect Jesus Christ? Am I being more and more conformed into his image, like Romans 8.29 speaks of? You know what? We should, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should want that. Shouldn't we? We should want to grow in our Christian character. And it's good for us to take a look at ourselves and see if we're growing in gospel character. Paul gives us some wonderful examples this morning in Timothy and with Epaphroditus. These were men who loved the Lord, godly servants. They didn't mind that Paul got most of the attention. They were completely content being behind the scenes. They were salt. They added a wonderful flavor to life. Timothy Keller, in the Journal of Biblical Counseling, he made some comments about salt that I really appreciated. He says, the job of salt is to make something taste good. He says, you know what, I can't even imagine taking corn on the cob and not having some salt on it. And, and as I enjoy this corn on the cob and, and I put a little salt on there, and after I'm done with it, do we step back and do we say, wow, what great salt that was? No, we don't. See, salt is meant to add, to bring more to that which is, it is involved with. Salt is meant to give it the flavor. Let's say your salt in your Bible study group. And you go in and you bring the life of Christ and, and godly Christian character and this saltiness. After that time in the Bible study, do people say, wow, that person was just so fantastic. So much insight, that one individual. No, we usually walk away when salt is added to a Bible study group. And we say, what a wonderful group. It's life-giving. It's enriched. And the whole group together plays in, in bringing out the life of Christ. I would say that Timothy and Epaphroditus, I would call them salty servants. And I pray for us this morning that, that we may follow their example. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray this morning that, that we would become more and more like Timothy and Epaphroditus, that we would be salty servants. I pray that we would allow your Holy Spirit to change us, that we would conform more and more into your image, Jesus. And I pray for each and every one of us this morning as we take a look at ourselves, as we let your Holy Spirit penetrate our hearts, I pray that you will help us to grow in gospel character. May our life reflect you, Lord Jesus. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.
I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else who is like him, who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Wonderful Timothy, close, close friend to Paul. His name means one who honors God. That's a great name to have. Timothy was grown up in the Lord, and Paul was his spiritual father in these things. He was from Lystra, which is modern-day Turkey, and he grew up in a multicultural home. His father was Greek, and his mother and grandmother were Jewish, and we see that they were followers of Jesus. And they had incredible influence in Timothy's life spiritually. Paul had been like a father to Timothy. He helped him grow in the Lord. He spent much time with him in Corinth, and he was sent to Macedonia, and he was with Paul on his return trip from Jerusalem. He helped Paul write many of the scriptures, Romans and 2 Corinthians and Philippians and Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians and Philemon. Paul was an incredible influence on Timothy, and Timothy had an incredible impact on Paul's life. Paul loved Timothy deeply and considered him a co-laborer in the ministry, a son in the faith. What a beautiful relationship. What a beautiful friendship they had. Timothy had incredible value because he was one who could be trusted. All of the letters that were sent were handed to Timothy. Timothy could hold that. And he would get it there, and he represented Paul on the way. Many others were consumed with selfish ambition and not wanting to have Paul have any status. But Timothy was all about being second. He was about serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He was about serving Paul. And to be second place, so to speak, was not a problem for him at all. I sent Timothy so I can hear the good news about you. You know, we live in this day and age where it's a quick cell phone call, internet, and we get messages back and forth about what's going on. I love with all of our overseas workers how we can hear right away what's taking place because we long to hear. But can you imagine the deep longing when the message wasn't able to get there quickly? Paul's heart was to hear about the Philippians and he wanted to send Timothy so that he could hear the good report and he knew it was going to be a good report. Because the Philippians loved Jesus Christ and they were growing in faith and he couldn't wait to hear all that God was doing with them. Isn't that a beautiful relationship with the community of Christ? I want to hear what God is doing with you. It it brings joy to my spirit, especially when you're in chains like Paul was, right? He's bound up. He's chained to a Roman guard. He needs to be uplifted by what's happening with the Philippians in their lives. And so Paul gives us this beautiful insight into Timothy and into Epaphroditus about the character that they are and, and how... He longs to hear again from Timothy a report from them. 
And one of the things, you know, as we study the scriptures at first glance when you read this passage, you go, why, Lord, would you even waste time, you know, with paper to write these things out? Just, hey, here's a couple guys who are bringing messages, you know? You really do. You read it through and you go, okay, let's just glance over that. But what Paul is really bringing out is so much godly character and such a great example for us in friendship and gospel character. He says of Timothy, I have no one else who is like him. No one who is of the same spirit. That's the same word that's used in Philippians 2.2. To be, to be like-minded, to be one in spirit. No one who is of the same heartbeat that I have, that same spirit. The Greek word is actually two words, and it's no one, I have no one who is equal and soul. There's no one who has the same equal soul that I do. They're thinking in the same lines as I am. They truly were soulmates. They thought the same about the things of Jesus Christ. It was a beautiful relationship that was bound together by the love of Jesus like Jonathan and David. We have the same spirit. We have the same heart for the Lord. And here's the truth. When Timothy was sent anywhere, when he would show up, you got Paul. You got Paul. They were one in spirit. Everything that Paul was thinking about the Lord and wanted to get over to to whatever church he wanted to get a message sent to, when Timothy showed up, it was Paul. And ultimately, it was Christ. That's how much their godly character reflected the love of Jesus and his truth. I have no one, listen to about his character, I have no one who is equal souled, I have no one who is like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. In our selfie-taking society, we've all come to recognize that our number one focus is us. The whole world just screams that out. Look after number one and take a picture of it while you're at it. Timothy doesn't live that way. He has a genuine interest in you, spiritually and just in life. You ever go out to lunch with somebody and they say, hey, we really want to catch up with you. It's been a long time. And so you go out to lunch and you sit down And while you're having lunch, they say, so what's going on? Tell me what's been happening in your life. And so you start to share, well, my son's going to college. I'm so excited. Your son's going to college. Oh my gosh, my son's going to college. Let me tell you all about what's going on with my son. He's going to be an engineering major. And this is what's happening. And this is the school he's going to. And, And it's cut right off in the middle of you sharing about your life. And now the person is all of a sudden talking about their whole life. They don't really care about what's going on. They just ask the question. They really want to just pour out all that's going on with them. And i got to be honest, I'm guilty of that sometimes. I'm the guy who cuts off the person sharing about their life. And I, I really want you to think about that as you go out to lunch or breakfast with people. And I want us together as a body of Christ to be genuinely interested and care about the life of the other that you're with. Catch yourself if you're cutting them off 
and just say, you know, oh, I'm sorry, finish what you were saying. Really, catch yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you in that. We, we live in a world where we're surrounded about self, so I understand the influence of that. But we've got to shift to other-centered. Christ-centered and other-centered. That we have a genuine interest and we want to know, and we want to know how to pray, and we want to hear their story. For Timothy, it was Christ, it was others, and then maybe himself. I am third in this. Let me share two stories of contrast. There was an Air Canada flight several years ago. It was going from, from Dallas to Toronto. And right in the middle of the flight, the plane actually caught on fire. And it was a bad fire. And so the pilot had to make some quick decisions and he had to get the plane down on the ground quickly because the cabin was burning. It was on fire. So he got to a landing strip and uh, made his way down. And uh, again, flames are everywhere. People are getting burned. And when they opened up the doors, because the oxygen came in, all of a sudden it became a big fire. And the truth is, in that flight, uh, people died. But the other truth is, hundreds were saved. The captain came out of the cockpit and he got his crew together, and he helped get people off the plane. He was passing people out. He was pouring water on people. And they ultimately got the captain out of the plane through a window. His, his whole uniform is on fire. Last guy on the plane, and they pulled him out. Some people lost their lives that day, but hundreds were saved. Because the genuine interest of the captain was the other's. Contrast it with a story in Seoul, South Korea, a ferry boat transporting hundreds of high school students. And the ferry boat started to sink. And hundreds of high school students were awaiting instruction on what to do, how to get off the boat, where to go. And they didn't get any of it. Why? The captain got off the boat and fled to dry land. And the boat sank, and hundreds of South Korean high school students died on that boat. And all in South Korea, actually the teacher of that whole group, he took his own life. And the reason he took his own life, he said, I'm not worthy to live when all of my students have died. A captain who wasn't concerned about others and their life was more concerned about him and living and in his culture was absolutely shamed because it's shameful. Paul was the Air Canada captain. Timothy was. I have a genuine interest in your life. I care about you. I have a burden. And that's really what the language is saying. I have such a burden for you that you would become followers of Christ, that you would hold on in obedience, that you would follow Him. I will give anything for you. Greater love has no one than this but to lay down his life for his brother. That was Timothy. That was gospel character. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. 
not looking to your own interest, but each of you looking to the interest of others. And in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own. The flow of this passage is this. Christ starts the example in Philippians 2. And then what Paul does is he takes that example of Christ and he shows two men who are living, who are having the same mindset as Christ Jesus and living it out in gospel character. You have to see the flow of that. It's not just some random guys he's talking about. Timothy and Epaphrodites are living the same example as Jesus. And we should also follow that example. And hopefully, we're becoming an example. Salty servants influencing those around us for the kingdom. He had the same mindset. The wonderful other thing about Timothy is he was kingdom-focused. He looked out not only for the interest of others, but he looked out for the interest of Christ. He had a bigger picture of all that's going on. I can imagine him praying in the morning, Lord, show me what's, what's happening in your kingdom work, just like Jesus would. Where do you want me today? Who do you want me to influence? Where do you, who do you want me to walk alongside of? Jesus did that every day, right? Timothy lived it out. He has the mindset of Christ Jesus. And he cares about the interests of Christ. One of the things I've loved about being involved with former Soviet Union Young Life is I've seen this wonderful mindset of having an interest of Christ. All of the leaders over there, here's the wonderful thing that's happening in former Soviet Union Young Life. One, they're coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Then right away, as soon as they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, someone comes alongside of them and makes them a disciple. They start to walk with them in Jesus. And then within a short time, they're like, okay, now it's your turn to to lead and make new disciples who are coming to know Jesus. And it's just expanding all over the former Soviet Union. Hundreds and hundreds of kids are coming to Christ each day. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But here's what's happening with the leadership over there that that just changes my life and my thinking about how I'm living. So all the leaders over there are trying to figure out, how can we get these kids to hear about Jesus Christ? We want to get them to camp, or we want to get them to club. We want to take them places so that they can just be out of the environment that they're in, which is so oppressive, and most of them don't have dads because they've died of alcoholism. And how can we get them to a place where they can hear about Jesus? And so they try to send them to camp, but that takes money. So here's what they do. They start up all these businesses, coffee businesses, t-shirt making businesses. You name it, they're starting up businesses. Why? So they can make money for themselves and have a nice home? Not even close. The majority, probably I would say 90% of the money that they make in their business goes right into, hey, we want you to come to camp with us. We have the funds to do that. So you can hear about Jesus. You see, our genuine interest is actually about you. It's not about me accumulating things and having more money. I care about you. And my interest is about the kingdom of our Lord. My interest is about Jesus Christ and what he's doing. Timothy sets that model for us. 
He's like a son, a servant in the gospel. He has served with us. You know his character, verse 22. You know of him and how he serves like that. He loves the Lord and he is a servant. He kind of reminds me of Alfred, Batman's loyal friend and servant, doesn't he? Alfred had his own amazing skills. But he would always be right by Batman's side, Bruce Wayne's side. He would encourage him and lift him up and strengthen him. And then Alfred would create all these wonderful things. He was a genius. But he never chose to take first place like Batman. So I'm, I'm just your humble servant. That was Timothy. At St. Bede's Episcopal Church in Santa Fe, there's only one entrance into the church. And above the door of the one entrance into this church, it says, Servant's Entrance. It's the only entrance, in and out. That's what Timothy and Epaphroditus walk through every day. Servant's Entrance. And that should be our mindset, shouldn't it? We are servants of the living God. Called to be humble, to be placed low, and we'll let God lift us up however He chooses to do that. There is no other entrance for the follower of Jesus Christ. I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. What do people know of us? What would they say about our character? Are we growing in gospel character? Are we reflecting Jesus Christ? Are we salty servants? Paul goes on to speak about Epaphroditus. And anybody you ask on the street and anybody you ask in church, hey, what do you, what do you think about Epaphroditus? And everybody just goes, what? Who? Huh? Nobody knows about Epaphroditus. He's not mentioned in the scriptures hardly at all this one time, and, and we think maybe one other spot. Not sure if it's the same guy. Who's Epaphroditus? He's kind of a nobody. And yet, he's incredibly valuable to Paul. And more so, he's incredibly valuable to the Lord. He was not only the bearer of the gift for Paul, but he was intended to stay in Rome and to be Paul's personal attendant and his servant there. And the thing I love about Epaphroditus is that he really was not really very well known. We always hear about Paul. and We go, wow, an apostle, and we hear about Timothy and He's a big player, and he's a pastor, and wrote books of the Bible, and along with uh, Paul. But the thing that's encouraging to me is that Epaphroditus was kind of a simple man, as far as we can tell. I would say, like you and me. Just kind of simple people trying to live in Christ. A behind-the-scenes guy. But that's not how God viewed him. And it's also not how Paul viewed him. From God's perspective, he was held with high regard, of much value. You know what? If you're a behind-the-scenes person, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and to speak to you that you are of much worth. Our Lord's desire is that you're part of his kingdom work and that behind the scenes you'll reflect the love of Jesus no matter what you're doing. 
and ask the Lord to continue to help you to be content behind the scenes, but that you are a valuable part of His kingdom and you are a valuable child of His. But even behind the scenes, we have to ask the question, am I growing in gospel character? In all of my actions and what I'm doing, am I reflecting who Jesus Christ is in my character? Listen about Epaphroditus, verse 25. I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my co-worker. He's a fellow soldier. He's also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. And Paul gives an incredible testimonial about him. Because here's what's happening. The Philippians sent Epaphrodites there to minister to Paul. And it could be easily taken, well, Epaphroditus is coming back. He's such a quitter in the ministry. We sent him for a task and he quit. He bailed out. And so Paul speaks about the character of Epaphroditus so that he's received with honor. He's not a quitter. And listen to these characteristics. He is my brother. The word there is actually he's from the same womb. Same family of Christ. Or as a lot of buddies say, you're my brother from another mother. We're same brothers, same family. He's a fellow worker. He co-labors with me. He is a fellow soldier. He's in the trenches with me, fighting the battle. You know, a lot of times we want our Christianity to provide this comfort to us, and that's just not real Christianity. Christianity is not safe. Christianity is always a battle. And in Christianity, as we follow Christ, we always have the battle from the enemy. It's always a battle. The enemy hates it when we're growing closer to Jesus Christ. He's in the trenches with me as a fellow soldier, and he's fighting not against me. He's fighting with me. There were so many who were fighting against Paul. That's defeating, isn't it? But to have someone who comes by your side, who's a fellow soldier with you, fighting with you, that's a great servant in the gospel. It's a great friend. And we're seeing this beautiful friendship with Timothy and Epaphroditus and Paul as they come alongside each other. Are you a fellow soldier with others? And then here's one interesting word that he says when he's talking about messenger. He actually uses the word Apostle, which is what Paul was considered. But when he speaks of Epaphrodites, this no name, this nobody, he gives them the honor of naming him one who is also an apostle, one who has been sent forth. He could have used another word. I think he intentionally used apostle to say he's of much value. And he really is laboring with me in the ministry. Good friendship lifts up your brothers and sisters. Good friendship sees the value of one another. And he is ministering to my needs. There's, a, there's an amazing... Epaphroditus is given the most incredible character from Paul. I really love it. And it's really to the core of who he was. He says... There's a Greek word here, leitergos. We get liturgy from it, the sacred service. 
But to be called a letergos is, is the idea of someone who absolutely loved his city and was, was one who stepped in to further and advance the city with patronage and coming alongside. And so you'd contribute to the games or you would contribute to the, to the army or the military. You'd be a patron of that. You would be one who would be devoted to build up the reputation of the city, undertook civic duties. And that's what he calls Epaphrodites. He says he's one who is building up the city. He's one whose sole interest is to give and to minister to the needs. But the truth is, Epaphroditus, his city was the city of God. His ministry and his sole conviction and to build up was the kingdom of God. And he did that with Paul and strengthened Paul to do it as he ministered to his needs. He was an incredible benefactor, so to speak. He loved God. He loved God's kingdom, which was his real city. And he entered into sacred service, liturgy, as he did that. And the one thing that we see ultimately is that he was willing to die for the gospel. To come alongside of a guy who's charged and might be put to death, you basically are connected with him, and your chances of being put to death with Paul would be high. But he was willing to do that. In verse 30 it says, Epaphroditus, he risked his life for the gospel. And this is another amazing word that Paul uses here. And one I want you to think about in your own Christian journey. It's, it's the idea of, I'm willing to gamble everything. It's a, it's a gambling word. I'm willing to gamble everything for Christ. I'm willing to go and risk my life. I'm willing to risk it all for the kingdom of God and for the my Lord and Savior Jesus, and to come alongside Paul, a servant of Christ. I'm willing to do that. Paul is saying, Epaphrodites gambled his life for Jesus. There was a group that was called the Parabolani in the early church, the gamblers. But this is how they used their life. What they would gamble, their, their goal, their aim as servants of Christ was that they would go visit prisoners and the sick. And especially those who had incredible illness. In AD 252 in Carthage, a plague broke out and the Parabolani went out and they ministered to the needs of those with the plague. And a lot of people just threw out the bodies and the Parabolani those who were willing to risk everything, they went and buried the dead, gave them honor. And then they went and healed the, the wounds. And they actually saved many lives by ministering to those incredibly sick. They knew they could die by being around people with the plague. But they were willing to risk it all for Jesus. What about us? Are we sold out for Christ? To live as Christ? To die gain. And remember what I told you? The, the, the original language is to live 
Christ. And so he lives that way. Epaphroditus, one who was going to give it all. Are we willing to get out of the comfortable and the safe and respond to the call of the Lord? I have dear friends who, one who was a big time executive in a, in a big corporation, and he was making corporate salary, which was quite a bit. And yet he felt God calling him to a different ministry. And so he gave it all up. And he went and he worked. He felt the Lord was calling him to to be part of a Christian school and to serve there. And if you know anything about Christian schools, that's not a big corporate salary. It was risky. I got my whole family. And I'm on the fast track in this corporation. But yet, God, you want me to come alongside at a Christian school. Parabolani. I have another friend, a young pastor, who was part of a church, a thriving church, and he was doing well and he was doing great shepherding. But same thing, the Lord came upon him, said, I want you to, to move to another part of town and I want you to start your own church and minister to the needs in this area of town. He had several little children, small children. He sold his house. One got a little place. Some people also helped him out. And said, Lord, we got nothing. But you're, you're calling upon us to serve here. My life is yours. I belong to you. And so I serve here. And so he did. Parabolani. I'm no longer my own. I am bought with a price. I enter through the servant's entrance every day. A life of reckless abandon trusting in the goodness of the Lord. The beautiful thing, and I'll finish with this on this passage, the beautiful thing is as we grow in gospel character, we grow in gospel friendships, deeper friendships. And it becomes a beautiful thing in how we're united together, what Paul had with these two men. Samuel Coleridge said, Friendship's a sheltering tree. Friendship is genuine. Friendship is faithful to each other. We're realistic. We, we, we enter into each other's lives when even things are a mess and things are upside down and we know, we know all of your brokenness. Irma Bombeck stated this. I like it. A friend is someone who thinks you're a good egg, even though you're a little cracked. I think that's what I am. Definitely... A lot cracked. You're one who sharpens iron together. You know, I know know many of us in this journey of life, we're lonely at times, and we long for a good friend. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the only way to have a friend is to be one. And I just want to encourage you to start taking a real interest in others asking questions about their lives. Don't, don't use excuses like, well, I'm an introvert. And so I just, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of you who are introverts. But I know a lot of introverts who ended up marrying each other. So they obviously had some relationship. So step out. Step out and ask and care. 
when you start to be a friend and you take a genuine interest, you'll have a friend. It's a little risky, right? But God builds these beautiful friendships, and he's the one who sets the example of a real friend. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you, and greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends as you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned, I learned from my Father, and I have made known to you. We grow in gospel character, and we grow in our gospel friendships, and together we become salty servants, reflecting the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your good word, and I thank you for this passage that that seems at first that it didn't have any value, but what incredible value. Thank you for Timothy and Epaphroditus and Paul. Thank you for using them as an example to us. And Father, may your Holy Spirit pour into our lives this morning and may you uh, show us, show us where we're growing and show us where we need to grow. And Father, help us in this journey, we pray. We want to follow you and we want to reflect your love. In your beautiful name, amen.